everybody. How y'all doing? So um, this lecture is about spring. And um, yesterday, Sunday, was the first day of daylight savings time. And the first day of daylight savings time is the time where we go from the dark to the light. Actually, in India, it's a big celebration in India called Holi, where everybody sprays colored paint and water on folks to celebrate the, the bringing of light and the bringing of color back into our world or into our environment, which is a beautiful thing. So um, days are longer, are going to get longer from now on, which is great. Spring is here. I know that in a lot of parts of the country, it's probably not. Uh, it's been sort of a crazy winter for a lot of folks. But, but uh, in this lecture, I want to sort of just talk about what spring's trying to accomplish, how we can kind of get into the transitional mode from winter into spring and uh, really glean a lot of the maximum benefits. I've written a handful of articles about this. Uh, if you're a part of our um, uh, um, three season diet challenge, you're getting uh, a packet, should have gotten one last week on the March um, diets and recipes. We have the recipes from Emma Frisch, which are really awesome for the spring. We've got lots of really cool research uh, I just think fascinating research about what's happening to uh, our microbiome was the transition as the spring um, is transitioning um, from from winter. We know a couple of things. We know that plants are harvested in the uh, or plants in the beginning of the spring. They have uh, microbes on them, and these microbes come from the soil. And the soils, uh, the plants attract certain microbes. Every different plant attracts different microbes. So every plant carries a different chemical and microbial blueprint. That's the cool part, is that every plant is different. That's why we don't want to spray any plants with any pesticides, because that kills all the microbes. And that sort of takes up a, a big chunk of the intelligence of the plant. And we don't even know yet how much of the intelligence is you know, allocated to the microbes and how much is allocated to the biochemistry. But we do know that a lot of the biochemistry is based on the microbes. So if you don't have the microbes, you're not gonna have the biochemistry. So it all sort of fits together. We don't wanna screw any of it up. And that's really important. So the, the, the springtime is a time where a very couple of very interesting things are happening. Uh, the deer are digging up the surface roots, the rhizomes, and those are loaded with particular microbes, different microbes in the roots than on the sprout, than on the microgreen, than on the full-grown plant. They're completely different microbes. So they, each microbe comes at different parts of the, of the growth of that plant, which is, I think, so really amazing. And then, of course, we eat the plants, and those microbes become us. 90% of our cells are in our body are microbial. So when you eat plants, you're actually feeding the 90%. What's also really interesting is some of the newest research about microbes is that the microbes really reside mostly in what's called the epithelium, the skin. Uh, it's not, microbes are not in your brain or get into your blood unless something bad happens. That's a pathogen, the body doesn't like that. So the microbes, even the good guys, stay on the skin. That's the skin here on the outside, skin on the respiratory tract, skin in your intestinal tract. That's where that skin lives. Um, what's, what's interesting is that this microbes sort of stay on the outside of our body. From the Ayurvedic perspective, the respiratory tract um, is the outside of the body. The air that we breathe is then processed through the skin of the respiratory tract, and then it becomes us in our lungs. 
but it isn't uh, us until it actually crosses through the epithelium where all the bugs are, all the microbes are. When you eat food, that food is not actually you until it actually just chooses to absorb through your intestinal tract, and then it becomes you, it comes into your blood, your, it starts to create tissues in the body. We, we think of it in Ayurveda, must blood turning into bone and muscle and things like that. So the intestinal tract, the respiratory tract, this skin, obviously we think of this skin, it's not, it's on the outside of us, but this is just the same exact skin that lines our respiratory tract and our intestinal tract. So what's really interesting is that our microbes line our epithelium. And in fact, they are our, they are our uh, communicators with the rhythms and the cycles of nature, the circadian rhythms of nature are fed to us, to our nervous system through our microbiology. So stay with me here for a second. This is pretty interesting stuff. So our microbes are completely affected by the cycles of the day. There's external rhythms of nature. Our intestinal microbiology feel them. They experience them. All that in our gut, they know that. That gut feeling, the gut connections, they are completely connected to the rhythms of nature. Those microbes send electronic messages to our brain, and there's certain parts of our brain that the super charismatic nuclei in our brain that has another clock in it that resonates with the, the gut clock and nature's clock. And if we're all doing the same thing, great things happen and we have a healthy life and we're wonderful, except for the fact that that doesn't always happen that way. What happens is that we get stressed out, we get worked out, we get stressed. We know that we process our stress through our intestinal tract. The good bugs go south. They can't hear the rhythms of nature. They disconnect from the circadian rhythms. And there's a thing, actually a study I wrote about, that's called gene noise, where our genes literally cannot hear the rhythms of nature. They can't hear the circadian rhythms anymore. That's scary, you know, when you think that our own genes can't hear these natural cycles and rhythms of nature. I mean, birds fly south and whales migrate. In spring, things are happening. Birds are coming back from the south and trying to find nests. So many, so much of life on this planet is, is, is all tied to those rhythms of nature which we are too. And, our, and we now are beginning to understand the mechanism of how exactly that happens. And our skin on the outside, our respiratory tract and our gut and our, and, our out, and our skin on the outside, all are sort of our antennas for feeling and resonating with those rhythms, keeping us connected really. And then they send electronic message to our brain and go, oh, you should be sleepy right now. Oh, you should be hungry right now. That's really important stuff. And if we kill the microbes with sprays and pesticides or, or we, we, um, we uh, uh, aren't eating organic foods or um, in herbs, I'm a big fan of using a whole in that regard because when you extract an herb and soak it in alcohol, a very big chunk of those microbes are, are, are dying with the alcohol. So we want to really preserve as much as we can the very subtle and delicate intelligence of nature. And that goes with the foods we eat in the springtime. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so initially, we want to start thinking, okay, well, what foods are really good in the spring? Okay, so let's talk about that real quickly, and we'll move on. Um, we have grocery lists, you all know, for winter, for summer, and spring. We all know that there's three grocery lists, three, three harvests in nature. And there's, of course, four seasons, right? But one of those seasons is always a dormant resting season from nature's harvest perspective. So we have three growing seasons, 
a spring growing season, a summer growing season, and a, a fall growing season harvest for winter eating. And, uh, and that's, how we, that's how we maintain our connection to the rhythms of nature. That's how we eat the appropriate bugs that are in the appropriate season to get the right microbes, to get the right effect on the body. Each of these microbes, and I'm gonna be writing a lot more about this, this understanding of seasonal microbes affecting seasonal changing effects. I've got a ton of studies that I've recently dug up that show that, 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 that uh, according to nature, these microbes will turn on or turn off your digestive system, your digestive strength, and it will do things for us that are specific to the needs of that season. The winter warm us up, and the summer cool us down. In the winter, it makes sure we can digest the heavy fatty foods. In the summer, they make us make sure that we can dissipate heat better. In the spring, which we're in now, going into, make sure that we can actually um, do a great job at making sure we don't get extra mucus and keep our immune system very strong and build up our structural strength so we can handle the stress of you know plowing and digging and and planting and. And, uh, and, and, and perhaps even going back further in hunter-gatherer days, you know, walking many, many miles to either hunt or gather to forage for food because in the spring, no matter what time, what, however, about 50, 70,000 years, it was always a hard time of the year to make sure we get our, our nutritional needs met. So that's important. I want to talk about that, 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 that the nature of spring is to eat a little bit on less side and, and that should be a natural thing that that happens to us i want to talk about that as well now in addition to that um let's talk about the foods that we should eat so you all use you go to the our, our spring grocery list and you look at that list and you circle the foods on that list that you like and you have a list of all the spring foods if you were to um go to the uh now we're in transitions from winter some into spring, you can take the grocery list of winter, the grocery list of spring, take both of those lists, anything, food on both of those lists becomes sort of really good uh, transitional foods for us. Because there might be days when it's really cold still in March and you just really wanna uh, eat something warm and you eat off the winter list. But then we might have a week of 70 degree weather where it's very, very warm and you wanna start eating spinach salads and things like that. So that's the, how you do it from a transitional perspective. There are certain foods that I think that that are, are what I call superfoods, and I wrote an article about this, you can go back for reference, that I think are really important. And you can do it even from a body type specific perspective. For example, for the kapha body types, and kapha types are heavy, easygoing, uh, calm, mellow, happy, you know, but their metabolic rate is slow and easygoing and calm. So they need foods that are gonna kind of stimulate and decongest them, turmeric being one of them a great you know, decongester, a great uh, mucus emulsifier, a great immune builder, uh, helps the body uh, simulate nutrition better and powerful uh, lymphatic bile flow mover and liver detoxifier. So it's just like that, it's got spring written all over it. It's actually harvested in the spring and the fall, but right now we'll talk about just from the spring's perspective. Most of these roots are harvested in the spring and the fall. And they have value for that. In the spring, also dandelion. Great. You know, dandelion again comes in the spring and the fall, you know, on your garden and your and your lawn. Dandelion is a great diuretic, helps move extra fluid water, which we tend to hold on to in the spring, out of the body. Dandelion was actually called years ago in France, they called the name of dandelion was actually called pissenlit, which means to pee in the bed. And every Frenchman knew that if you took dandelion root tea, which we did throughout the world. Anywhere a grand dandelion root grew, which is in America too, 
Everybody drank dandelion root tea in the spring. That was what everybody did. You got this really powerful benefit of that. They put turmeric in their soups and stews. They would take uh, lots of roots like Oregon grape and burdock and things like that. They would make teas out of them. And those teas that were so powerful and bitter and alkaloid you know, in nature and berberine rich, those teas would scrub the little villi off the intestinal tract and clean the villi and make them nice and clean. So, uh, and after a long winter of heavier, fattier foods, those villi would get congested. Spring was time to clean it all out and make sure that would work great. So that's a pretty cool thing that happens in the springtime to kind of clean out all the, the villi and prepare the body for uh, springtime when the, when the greens begin to come out of the ground. Uh, watercress and uh, sprouts and microgreens also powerful superfoods for kapha. In some studies, the microgreens and sprouts have shown to be uh, 400 times more potent than the adult plant. In one study, I think it showed that there was a vitamin C content, a vitamin K content in, in cabbage greens that was like 28 times more potent than the, than the adult plant. Uh, vitamin C content was like nine times more potent than the adult plant. We know for a fact, it's hard, and they can't dispute the fact that our microgreens are super potent, loaded with lots of nutrients. And uh, get them in the spring is really important because the spring is sort of that austere time of the year. We we're just, we're not sure. Uh, winter, you know, our stores of winter food are gone. We're waiting for stuff to come out of the ground in the spring. We're sort of in this, you know, not getting a lot of food mode. And so those foods that nature does deliver just happen to be, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 400 times more nutritious for us. So that's just like, thank you. Watercress, another super uh, spring food, a very powerful micro, uh, super dense nutrient food, uh, powerful antioxidants. Uh, it protects the DNA uh, in, in a powerful way. Lots of vitamin C and vitamin K, lots of minerals. Again, another superfood. So for the kapha folks, my, my favorite foods to make sure you get a lot of in the springtime for the kapha body type are dandelion, uh, uh, turmeric, watercress, and of course your sprouts and your microgreens. Now for the pitta body types, they also need the spring greens like cabbage greens are, are really good. Um, they did a study and they found out that the cabbage greens, kale, mustard greens, uh, bell peppers, and collard greens, all of my favorite superfoods for, for pitta. The study showed that those five actually help to uh, attach to bile and take the bile to the toilet. Remember, we've talked about this a lot. The bile is like a Pac-Man, Pac-Manning a bunch of toxins in your liver. And it, when you eat some fatty food, the bile goes into your intestinal tract, continues to Pac-Man a bunch of yucky stuff out of your intestinal tract. And if you eat enough greens and fiber, the greens have as well, they'll take and attach that bile and take it to the toilet. And also actually a great intestinal scrub as well, but it also has lots of greens in it. And the greens, so those, but those five again are spring greens like cabbage greens, kale, mustard greens, bell peppers, green bell peppers, and collard greens. Those are the five that were shown to attach and support bile acid flow and increase bile flow, which we need in the spring because bile, the liver is trying to detoxify all the yuck in the spring. It's a cleansing time of the year in the springtime. So the spring is time, hey, let's get this stuff out. Pit, everybody should eat these, but the pitta body types have a lot of liver heat anyway. They really want to max out on these five bile movers, these bile acid movers to make sure we take the bile attached to the yucky stuff and take it to the toilet. That's really, really important. I love that. Now, the greens are fantastic fertilizers for the good microbes. Um, so we want to, you know, clean the villi out in the early spring with the bitter roots and the teas and the dandelion tea and the burdock root tea and the organ grape tea and turmeric and all that. 
And then we want to start hitting it with the green as soon as they come out of the ground, and that will fertilize the villi with good bacteria so the bacteria are really primed for that, and that's really important. The, um, the, cough, the, uh, the Vata body types, again, they're, they tend to be you know, nervous and colder, and they need to uh, warm up a little bit even in the spring because they're not, you know, spring is not necessarily warm enough for the Vata types. They're going to really not be completely satisfied until summer kicks in. So the foods that they, that my favorite spring uh, superfoods for them are, um, are um, saffron being one of them. And how you know that these are superfoods for spring is because we go to the spring grocery list, all the foods with an asterisk are superfoods for the spring. But the ones that make it a superfood for a pitta body type is that those foods are also on the pitta grocery list. So they become superfoods. They're definitely spring superfoods because they're asterisk, but they're also on the summer list, which means, or the, or the vata list for, for the vata body type or the winter list, that makes them a superfood for vata. You get that clear, the pitta superfoods are asterisk on the kapha spring list because we're in the spring season, you got to eat in the season, but then they are also on the, the pitta summer grocery list as well. Therefore, they're on both lists. One, the spring list has the asterisk making it a superfood. So saffron, my gosh, saffron is coming out of the ground as we speak with the crocus is beginning to come up has been shown to decrease cravings by 45% in one study. It's a spring harvest. That's exactly what we want to do. We're going to talk about this in a minute. The natural tendency in the spring is to eat less food. Well, nature just gave us all this crocus saffron to help us not think about a lot of food and help us, therefore, by not eating a lot of bad food, help us burn our own fat and be better fat burners, right? Doesn't make sense, right? Nature's trying to help us here. Garlic, again, powerful immune booster, uh, uh, great antioxidant, great natural antibiotic. Cardamom helps support digestive strength. Uh, cardamom is an anti-gas agent, uh, helps calm the vata in the intestinal tract, and supports, it starts to help build digestive strength, as does ginger. Uh, ginger and cardamom work on turning on the digestive fire, increasing duodenal, pancreatic enzyme flow. Um, and then cinnamon, really good, again, to stabilize blood sugar. So energy is stable. Sugar is not going up and down. We're having stable blood sugar, so we're not thinking about a lot of food. So here are the, the five for superfoods for vata in the spring. Saffron, uh, ginger, cardamom, uh, cinnamon, and garlic. Those are my five favorite. And again, those are just asterisk foods in the spring grocery list that happen to be on the winter's list as well. That makes them a super food. So that's how you do it. Pretty cool stuff. Again, I've written an article on superfoods for spring, so you can go to that and get the information uh, as well. Okay. Um, the thing I want to talk about also was this idea that we should eat less food in the spring. I had a patient, she came to me and she said, John, you know, I feel great. I think she had come for a second or third visit and she said, I feel great. My mood is better. My energy is better. My sleep is better. I feel fantastic, but except I've completely lost my appetite. And, I, and, and she says, all I really want to eat is salad. And I asked her a whole bunch of questions to try to figure out what could be wrong. And I said to her, you know what I think? I think it's March. And March is the time of year where you should be craving exactly what you're craving and not be thinking about a lot of heavy foods. The winter, when the digestion was strong, we wanted to eat all those heavy foods. But now we're in the springtime 
and you're starting to eat less, think about less food. In one study, it showed that we actually eat 100% more food than we need. Can you believe that? The average American eats 100% more calories than we actually need. Really, you know, boil it all down is our problems, our health problems really boil down to the extra 100% of food that we actually eat. If we can just get rid of 100%, most of us would probably feel a lot better. Except for the problem is that we don't digest well enough, efficiently enough to actually digest foods efficiently enough to give us the, what we need to feel good without actually overshooting the runway by 100%. Isn't that amazing? Once they actually had um, a group of people and they saw, followed them for two to six years and they measured that they ate 20% less food than they normally eat, which is 20% less than the 100% that they're already eating more than they need. So they're still eating like what, something like 80% more, right, than, than they actually need. And they measured that their blood pressure was balanced, their blood sugar was more stable, they lost weight significantly, their cholesterol, their good fats went up and their bad fats went down. All these amazing things happen just by eating just a little bit less food. So that's what I'm trying to emphasize here in this lecture is that our nature in the springtime is to sort of want and to desire to eat less food. If and only if you have that natural inclination to eat less food, then go for it. That's my point. I don't want you to starve yourself if you're starving because that would just tell the body, he's crazy, she's crazy, store as much fat as I possibly can. It'll undermine our success, right? We don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is we want to make sure that we are we are listening to the rules in, of nature. I mean, traditionally, folks would do most of their fasting, religious ceremonies and fasting and feasts and Native Americans' vision quests and Lent and Ramadan and many holidays are all built around fasting and eat less food in the springtime months. And those are the time when, you know, winter stores are gone. There isn't a lot of food coming out of the ground. We're sort of, you know, go to the mountains and pray for food. And, but, but, you know, a lot of these religious uh, just, um, uh, holidays and things were really based on some real traditional tribal rituals that became sort of religious rituals. And, um, and it makes perfect sense because they were so deeply connected to the cycles of nature. And that meant, you know, fast in during the springtime, eat less food during the springtime. The harvest of the spring is a very, very low fat harvest sort of our Jenny Craig time of the year where the body naturally eats less food, less at a, at a very low fat diet. When you eat a lower fat diet, you begin to burn your own fat and you reset your ability to burn fat. So that is sort of the number one thing that we're going to try to do here in the spring is reset our ability to burn fat. So, so again, boil it all down to what's spring's message? What's spring's real goal here? Get you to burn fat. And while it does that, you're going to lose weight. You're going to burn your calm fuels. So you're going to feel common and stable. So after a, a long winter of feeling cold and restless and not sleeping well and having maybe some anxiety and not as much energy, spring's the time to burn the calm fuel, to burn the stable fuel, to feel calm in your skin, make energy last through the night, sleep better. Those are the things that we're going to begin to expect to see in the spring as we begin to be better fat burners. So that's really the goal. When they did one study and they found that people with, um, when, they, when people didn't eat and they, they were either fasting or they were starving or in times of famine, 
that the, they measured the mitochondria of the cells and they found the mitochondria actually made more energy, which is amazing, when people didn't eat. And the cells in the body actually live longer when we didn't eat. So our body is really designed to do really well without a lot of food. There's no question about that. Our body is designed to thrive without food, not just survive. We are, we are genetic, you know, 70,000, or you could even say, you know, counting all of our, you know, primate, primate you know, versions of, of, our, our, our human, our predecessors, they were spent 2 million years trying to find food basically. And so we're genetically wired to try to find food and genetically wired to do okay. And in some cases, pretty good if we don't eat up to a point. Over shooting over the runway, overshooting the runway by 100% more food than we need is never, ever happened in the history of the world, the history of the human beings. This is something that in the last maybe say 50 years, all of a sudden we have all this food we can eat whenever we want it. And yeah, we have 2 million years of momentum trying to eat as much as we can whenever we can. And now all of a sudden we're going to stop that train in 50 years after two to 3 million years of that train pushing us to eat more, eat more, eat more, fine, whenever we can, fight over food. No way. We can't stop it. But now that we have the information, right, to know that, oh, you're right. We shouldn't be eating so much food. And there are beautiful cycles in nature. And they have microbes coming out of the soil. And since you're 90% bug and the bugs come out of the soil, we are 90% bug dirt, sort of. I mean, it's sort of crazy to think like that. But, but yeah. And those microbes come out of the soil at a certain time of the year to help us basically burn fat better in the spring and help us make energy last better in the spring so we don't get hungry. So that's what's trying to happen right now. So when I give you that spring grocery list, I'm telling you, that's so you can get connected to the cycles of nature. The reason why we're doing this whole crazy thing of, of, of the three season diet challenge is so people can taste what it's like to, to connect up with the natural cycles of nature, to be hungry more in the winter and want those soups and stews and gain a few pounds, it's okay. But in the spring, you're like, hey, I've lost my appetite. I don't really, I know I can have a lighter breakfast and a lighter supper, I'm not thinking about, eating so much, go for it. But if you're not there yet, your blood sugar is unstable, we gotta get that fixed first, right? And that's why we have many, I mean, I, you guys all know, I've done tons of videos and articles about how to reset blood sugar and all that. We've got our big Colorado cleanse coming up, which is like the best blood sugar reset that I've ever seen, best fat burning reset that I've ever seen. That's coming up here in a, in a month. Uh, I think the, 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 the early bird specials open up today. Uh, to get like really screaming deal on the whole kit and everything that we have put the Colorado cleanse. That's a, it's, it's a powerful digestive reset, but we do that in the spring, in the fall, but also the spring is such an important time to make sure you help nudge the body to be a better fat burner. That's the key to the Colorado cleanse is to help the body burn fat, digest better, assimilate better. So you can actually make more energy with less food. So we can take that hundred percent and shrink it down you know, to, you know, just the 100% we need rather than the extra 100% that causes all the clogging and congesting of our arteries and muscles getting stiff and us aging in an accelerated way. We have the ability, I really believe, to, to really live, uh, you know, a, a whole lot longer than we ever have lived before. The information about the microbiome and really understanding how we are really designed to function 
with these things I'm talking about, knowing that microbes are here to, in the springtime to tell us that we don't have to eat so much, reset fat burning, eat less, connect up to the rhythms of nature. This is powerful. Not to mention having modern medicine on our back pocket in case we need it to get out of any harm's way. I mean, there's no reason why folks can't live on average to 100 years of age and, and longer if you really you know, follow the rules. It's, it's, it's something that, that is, uh, I think, a very, very doable more than ever before. And we're beginning to have the science now to, to, to really understand how to get it right. I, we got the whole cholesterol thing wrong, right? That was a big mistake to take cholesterol out of that. That's, that's coming back. The FDI is getting ready to put out a big report that's going to actually take cholesterol off the nutrient concern list. When they put that on the list 60 years ago, school lunches changed. Manufactured food took cholesterol out. Everything was zero cholesterol, zero cholesterol, zero cholesterol. That's going to change. They're putting cholesterol back on back into the foods, and and we're going to begin to seeing a hopefully a, a more balanced approach to fats back in our diet. Hopefully, take the sugars out of our diet because that's what we replace the fat with, right? We replace it with wheat and corn, and that was a problem. Oh yeah. The other thing that's really important in the spring is that you want to think this is the wheat-free, dairy-free season. Okay. You know, I'm all not a big anti-gluten, anti-dairy guy. However. It should be said, and very clearly, that wheat, and I've said it many times, that wheat is sugar. The glycemic index of wheat, because it's been processed so much, has a higher glycemic index than white table sugar. Wheat glycemic index is like a 75 or 70, depending on the bread. And sugar, white table sugar, has a glycemic index of 59, which is how quickly the sugar goes into your blood as glucose, which means that wheat is, gets in as sugar and can be more damaging than even white table sugar. It's really not a good thing. So wheat is not harvested in the spring, never was. It was harvested in the fall as a lipophilic grain to beef up and get some insulation. It was strong, hardy, mucousy grain to insulate for the dryness of winter. Never meant to be harvested in the spring. This simply wasn't available historically. So we should really follow that lead. We are in the gluten-free season, okay? There are some grains on the spring grocery list, but they are gluten-free grains, so please, you know, enjoy them. And the way the Ayurveda works is it's not only eating locally. And that's an important point because if we, if I asked you guys to only eat locally, you'd all hate me and you would throw rocks at me and it would be terrible because you'd be starving and you would hate it. Cause we're talking about eating, you know, beef jerky and elk jerky in, in the winter. And that's it. I mean, there's just not a lot of food in the winter. In the spring, it's really austere. Trust me. Uh, it would be very difficult for folks to eat only with the seasons. But we have the luxury. And what Ayurveda did is they took the foods from all over the world and classified them into the qualities that exist in the spring and the run, spring and the summer and the winter. And then you go, oh, guess what? I can eat certain grains, even though they're not harvested necessarily in the spring, although corn was, by the way, harvested in the springtime before the monsoons kit. So it was the one grain that we've hybridized to harvest when we wanted to harvest as opposed to when it was originally harvested, and it's a very dry grain, and it was harvested before the wettest time of the year. Now we eat the driest grain in the fall before the driest time of the year. Sort of a little cuckoo when you think about what we do to foods by hybridizing them. And when you look at the grocery list, I want to make it clear, a lot of the foods on the grocery list maybe don't make sense to when they're harvested today. Like corn doesn't really make sense, really, when you really understand corn. It's a very dry grain. If you look at the Ayurvedic list, it's on the spring grocery list. It's not on the winter grocery list at all. So it's a very dry grain. It's a kapha-reducing grain. 
So, so you might see other foods that don't make sense. And in the back of my three season diet book, I actually put a glossary of, and I did the best I could is put as many foods on there and track where these foods were originally harvested, what time of the year they were harvested, where on the planet they originally were found, and sort of what the original sort of evolutionary purpose of that plant was on the planet. And I think that's a, a valuable thing to help us sort of understand what the Ayurvedic diets are trying to tell us. 80, 90% of it is seasonal, locked in, but there are these outliers like corn and and things like that. Avocados don't grow here in Colorado or in Boston, for example, but we can eat them in the winter to help insulate. So we have the luxury of eating foods from all around the world that are classified according to the appropriate qualities for that season. And those qualities for this season are sweet, are pungent, spicy foods, ginger, things like that, uh, bitter, all your bitter roots, dandelion root, Oregon grape, um, and your, even your very bitter green, your uh, bitter greens, um, uh, like collard greens and things like that, and um, and astringent. And astringent are like a lot of your beans and legumes are very astringent. They sort of pucker, and they're very very good in the springtime. So those are the ones you want to be thinking about eating a lot more of in the spring. Are your your astringent foods, your bitter foods, and your pungent foods, and you want to decrease the amount of the um, sweet sour and salty foods. Sweet foods are heavy, sour foods are heavy, salty foods are heavy, and and spring is a heavy season. Nature always antidotes the extreme of that season. So you wanna be thinking light foods, you wanna be thinking of dry foods and warm foods. So light, dry, and warm, pungent, bitter, and astringent. You wanna think of uh, getting rid of and reducing sweet, sour, Sweet, sour, and salt, they are heavier foods. And you want to decrease the heavy and the oily and the cold foods. And that's sort of how it works. Very beautiful. And uh, that is all written, you know, in our, you go to our body type questionnaire and just print out the information about your body type. All that information is right there. It's all free, super easy to grab onto and to get. Um, so very, very interesting. So one of the things that, that I did many years ago in, in based on my three season diet book, is we did a study on uh, this sort of eating less kind of an approach. And it, it was more, and, it's, and this is actually written up in my free ebook called the Weight Balancing Ebook. And when people take um, the free Weight Balancing Ebook, you'll see a study in there that we did back in 2000. We had people eat three meals a day, no snacks. So we had them eat breakfast, lunch, supper, and then went to, went to bed after supper with no snacks in between. And what was really interesting was that they went from breakfast to lunch, from supper, uh, from lunch to supper, from supper all the way till breakfast. The idea is that in between breakfast and lunch, you burn fat. Between lunch and supper, you burn fat. Between supper and bedtime, you burn fat. The body is supposed to burn fat exclusively from supper all the way to breakfast and break the fast for supper. That's sort of our daily reset of fat burning. Spring is our big seasonal reset of fat burning. So this is a great time, right, to do that because what we want to do is get off the, the, the holiday food train and, and start getting the body to make energy last a little bit more. One of the best ways to do that is sort of having meal, meals, three meals a day with no snacks, sit down, relax, enjoy, take time to eat your food because if you eat on the run, gobbling on your run, we know that aggravates a sympathetic fight or flight response, which literally turns off your digestive strength literally just turns it off. When you're stressed out, your body won't digest. 
when you're relaxed, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest nervous system, it turns on. So you can digest, you can only digest when there's parasympathetic activity. You just don't, when there's a bear chasing you, you're not thinking about dinner or lunch. You're thinking about saving your life and the whole digestive system turns off and all the energy goes to your muscles for fight or flight. That's how it works. So really good, logical, super sound reason for us to sit down and relax and take time to eat our food. So when we do eat in the spring, eat it in a relaxed way. So three meals per day is step one uh, with no, um, with no uh, snacks in between. So if you had breakfast and a carrot and then lunch, it's not terrible, right? A carrot's healthy for you, but you didn't and wouldn't therefore burn your fat in between breakfast and lunch. You would burn the carrot between your breakfast and lunch. You ate lunch and you had an apple or some almonds in, in the afternoon or something, um, and then you had supper, you wouldn't burn fat that afternoon, you would burn the apple. And so the idea is to give your body a reason to be a good fat burner this time of the year. And that reason is breakfast to lunch, lunch to supper, supper to breakfast with no food, force the body into fat burning, and that gets you into the momentum of eating less food. So when I did that study, we had about 18 people in the study, and they, when they first when I first introduced it, they were like, wait a minute, what about my snacks? And I was like, well, no, you're, you don't really have to worry about your snacks because uh, you're going to have three good meals per day, right? But I need my snacks. I said, well, if you have a big enough breakfast, you won't need to have a snack. And then you can have a big enough lunch. You won't need to have a snack. If you eat it in a relaxed way, you'll digest better. And you won't need, you'll actually assimilate better, digest better, and you won't need to eat as many meals and maybe even eat less calories, right? That's, that's one of our goals. And they were like, oh my God, but I need my snacks. So we, for the first two weeks, I had to deal with everybody freaking out over their snacks. But by the second week, at the end of the second week, I gave them all a questionnaire. I asked them, I asked them uh, about their, their, uh, their cravings and, and things like that. And we measure their anxiety, depression, cravings, fatigue, exhaustion, and insomnia. And in just two weeks of getting off the meal snack, meal snack, meal snack, they were all significantly improved. The idea that we should eat snacks has been disproven. There's no thermogenesis, increasing metabolism during the day when you actually eat little meals all day long. It's been completely disproven. When you eat, you, you, you don't increase thermal, thermogenesis, which is what they mean by increasing metabolism when you eat little meals all day long. You, you don't. You, you burn the same amount of calories whether you eat it three, six times a day or whether you eat it three times a day. So there's really no thermogenesis difference, increased metabolism difference at all, according to the studies. So, so the idea though, is if you have breakfast and nothing, you give the body a chance to burn your own fat in between. Eat meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack. The body's gonna burn, right? The meal and the snack, and the meal and the snack, and the meal and the snack. That's our key. Our key in the spring is to get you guys to be better fat burners. That's spring's goal. That's what we wanna accomplish in the spring. So we're gonna, we're gonna give it a nudge and say, okay, I'm gonna have a really good breakfast here, you know, off the spring grocery list and see if I can make that energy last and have a nice, big, relaxing lunch. See if I can make that energy last. and then. Go from there. And that was our, our weight balancing plan, three meals a day, no snacks, okay? What was really phenomenal about the, the whole thing was that people um, were, just by doing that alone, their cravings got better, their anxiety got better, their sleep got better. They lost 1.2 pounds per week during the entire study. And their appetite changed. They stopped craving. They stopped needing all the food. 
And this is our window of spring to make that happen. We're not going to get another chance like this until next year. So, I mean, and you can, you can overrule the intelligence of nature by doing it anytime you want, which is sometimes even okay. It's fine. But what better time right now to dive in and say, okay, I'm going to give this a whirl. I'm going to make sure I do three meals a day, no snacks. I'm going to make sure I don't eat wheat or dairy. Dairy also, by the way, is sugar. It's just lactose. It, basically, it's just tons of sugar. Look at any dairy product, and it's, it's fat, protein, and sugar. Basically, that's what dairy is. So it's a third sugar. So dairy is going to raise blood sugar. It's going to give you that high. It's, I, I'm not against dairy. I don't think we absolutely don't need dairy to survive as adults at all, at all. But uh, it will raise your blood sugar, and it is in harvest. The, the cows are having their babies this time of the year. The babies get all the milk. We don't touch their milk, and the babies are, are, are or the mommies are giving birth, and then the babies are, you know, newborns. So, you know, wheat and dairy just don't exist in the springtime as a food that would be naturally available for us. Dairy was harvested at the end of the summer uh, to, to make cheese and to just have the cheese be from, you know, store it. As a, as, a, as a storing food for the winter eating, as the fermented foods are also winter, you know, preserved foods for winter eating. So as we go into the spring, the amount of uh, fermented foods that we eat is going to slowly, because winter you want to have more of them, but the winter, spring you want to start to dial them down, definitely summer dial them down a little bit more, and they're always supposed to be small amounts of them anyway. So the other thing that you can do with the with the with the kind of reset is think about um, think about doing some type of a detox, some type of a cleanse, which is very important. Uh, just eating seasonally, really, really eating seasonally, will force the body into fat metabolism and help you detoxify. Absolutely, the case. Um, doing one of our cleanses, which are slightly like our short home cleanse, it's a free ebook. You download it. You can do it for free. You don't have to buy a thing from us. It's all right there. You can buy stuff from your health food store or grocery store. We give you all. Of course, we have a kit you can buy from us, of course. But we also have right there in the notes. And even in our Colorado Cleanse, it's always available for you to go locally and buy stuff from your local store so you don't feel like we're, we're you know, only selling stuff that you have to buy from us. It's that, that, that short home cleanse is, is a free gift. The Colorado Cleanse book is a is, you know, very inexpensive book. tells you how to do the cleanse. You can do it on your own and not buy our kits. However, um, it is important, though, to do some type of a detox and help your body, you know, get rid of and reset fat burning and get rid of some of the toxins that have built up along the way. What I love about these cleanses, they use ghee, clarified butter. Clarified butter is so important. I wrote an article recently that showed that when you use all, uh, you know, grass-fed cows, which are generally 95% grass-fed. Some of some cows will, even in the wintertime, in America, in Northern Hemisphere, they're always going to have to be some supplement because grasses don't grow, uh, you know, all year long. But but we have grass-fed cows. This it was measured that the amount of the CLA, the conjugated linoleic acid, which is a powerful antioxidant and one of the best fats that your body can have for heart health and and mood health and skin health and and cleansing the body and detoxifying the body, was 500 times more potent than the regular uh, ghee or, 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 or grain-fed, corn-fed, you know, dairy products. So very, very important. You want to be thinking in, in all your dairy products, grass-fed, your cow and your meat, grass-fed, really make an effort to do that. It's so worth it. We're talking 500 times the CLA, CLA content. That's not even a little number. And so when you do a cleanse with, with, the, with the ghee that, that's grass-fed, 
Um, and that's the we of this ghee is so incredible. Now it's it's it gets grass fed. It's it's uh, it's so. I mean, you can smell the difference. It's partial. It's half cultured butter and half regular butter, so it's even a natural uh, probiotic for you as well. Stuff is just phenomenal. It smells like caramel. I've never smelled ghee quite like it. But when you take the ghee internally, it forces the gallbladder to contract and forces the gall bile to flow in a bigger, better way. When the bile flows, you burn fat better. When the bile flows, you take toxins to the toilet. When the bile flows, you scrub your intestinal tract from toxic, yucky stuff. When the bile flows, you buffer the acid from your stomach better. So your stomach goes, oh, there's bile there. Yay, finally, I can now turn the fire on and cook some food again. And that's what the body is looking to do. And, and it's just a short list of things that bile will, the increase of bile flow will do when you actually increase the ghee in your diet during the cleanse. And of course, if you do a lot of ghee in the cleanse and no fat during the day, the body's going to be, again, forced to burn your own fat. And that's what happens through this whole process of spring is get you guys, all of us, to be better fat burners. That's the key. That's what nature is trying to accomplish. That's, you know, the whole purpose of spring. That's why fastings and eating less was just a natural cultural thing that people have done for thousands of years. So I'm just asking you, if you feel that little nudge, you know, go for it. If you feel that little tendency to, to, uh, to not eat as much, have a lighter breakfast, a lighter supper, absolutely go for it. Have a big lunch, but have lighter breakfast. Grapefruits are in season. Have a grapefruit. They actually help the body burn fat. Have grapefruit. See if that'll make you to make it to lunch for you. Maybe on a busy day, but on a day where you have off, you can start to play with eating a little bit less food. Always drink a lot more water when you try this because that'll help keep your blood sugar stable. Okay, I think that's it for the things I wanted to accomplish. I said, like I said, make sure you're signed up for the, the free free season diet challenge because all the articles go there and the recipes go there and you can just look at it and it's free and no pressure to do any of this at all. Just know that it's there for you and we can slowly nudge you into eating a little more seasonally and getting some of these spring benefits all the better. And hopefully you'll begin to want to do this versus feel like you have to do this because we are going with the flow of nature, which is a pretty, a pretty, pretty cool thing. And also there's some articles that if you're not signed up for the challenge, there's a lot of articles that I mentioned here that are there uh, available for you, for you. And there's some pretty cool sales when you, uh, uh, when you sign up for these, these um, uh, podcasts and when you sign up for the uh, three season night challenge, there's all these spring recipes and spring herbs and stuff that we put on sale uh, for the springtime for folks who are signed up for the cleanse and for the, not just the cleanse, but for the, uh, for the, um, for the three season diet challenge. Okay, so if anybody has any questions, uh, please press star two, and uh, that would be great. And then I'll see if I can answer some questions that uh, might be there. Um, one question here is how do I apply this lifestyle eating practice if I'm a vegan? Well, being a vegan is wonderful in the spring uh, because it's really, you know, the meats are generally gone. Uh, um, so your springtime is a time of year where we really are looking for bitter roots and, and greens and, and vegetables, and it's really not a high protein time of the year. If anything, you know, I would say if you're going to not, if you're going to be a uh, a meat eater, you should be thinking of eating more of your meats in the winter, and then you know be more vegetarian esque or much less meat in the spring and the summer. That would be a much much better way to go. Uh, so being so the here we are moving into spring and summer. Those are the vegetarian seasons. So a vegan should have uh, should have no no problem whatsoever whatsoever to really do this. Um, hope that helped there. Um, 
let me open this up here a little bit bigger. Um, can you, uh, Perfect Health for Kids is a manual for health for my son. That's a book I wrote for kids. He's 15 months old. I, I feel not quite enough, I, I feel not quite old enough to understand his dosha. Um, can you speak more about the three seasons that returns to toddlers? Uh, he eats almost everything, nothing processed, sugar or juice. I still nurse, uh, but he drinks grass milk with snacks for lunch. Um, for the spring diet, you, you, you list limited dairy. How would that apply to his cause? Okay, so a young child, okay, it's very difficult to know exactly their body type. And that's why I think the body type for children is a work in progress. Like um, we were just doing that this week with my kids and trying to, you know, tune into their types more and kind of seeing how they're evolving. And it's just a fun interaction. And as they grow, you can figure it out. But if they're a kapha child and they're in the kapha season of spring, eating a lot of kapha rich foods, pizza and cheese and dairy and all that, there's a good chance they're going to increase too much kapha, stack too much kapha. And the nature said, oh, oh, wait a minute, we don't do, you know, wheat and dairy and heavy, you know, mac and cheese and pizza this time of the year. So we, we don't do that. So we, we have a food, a diet of low fat foods to help antidote the extreme of that season. So even for toddlers, you want to be thinking to reduce the amount of some of those heavier kinds of foods. Definitely the processed sugar out, which you don't do is great. Um, the spring grocery list has more low fat or low dairy type, low fat dairy type products. Yogurt can be done. And those are ways to, you know, to, if you're, you're looking at your child and there's you know, and, and there aren't other alternatives besides dairy, you can do sort of a lower fat or reduce that as opposed to eating, you know, a lot of the high fat, you know, this time of the year. I uh, hope that makes sense. I don't know what the Ayurvedic equivalent is for Chinese diagnosis of damp heat, uh, but if you're familiar with it, please share how one can uh, approach that with Ayurveda. Well, yeah, damp heat is sort of that transition. It's, it's kapha, it's spring. Uh, kapha is a damp, wet, boggy time of the year. It's allergy season. It's a heavy time of the year. So nature is providing light, leafy green sprouts, berries, root vegetables, all these things to cool us down. Very, very important time of the year for that. Um, so it's the damp heat um, is when you might be someone who has a lot of pitta in their body type, a lot of fire, but they're still in the spring. Now they have the heat from their constitution and the dampness from the season that would create damp heat. You would still treat it as a, you treat it from a seasonal perspective to get rid of that damp heat by eating in the sea, eat seasonally, it'll take care of it for you. And then if there's extra heat there, the cool thing about, not to get too complicated, but the cool thing about, about um, the balancing uh, tastes for spring are, are bitter, astringent, and pungent. Pungent's the only one that would actually increase the heat. So bitter and astringent are good. For, for getting rid of heat, for pitta body types in the summer, it's bitter, astringent, and sweet will balance that. So the two out of the three uh, for getting rid of the, the heat part of damp heat is bitter and astringent. It's on the, it's, it's good for kaphas in springtime and good for pittas anytime. So so you would be looking for, you know, uh, anything off the kapha list, the ones that are specifically bitter and astringent, they become your superfoods. Hope that makes sense. That's the way to look at it. And that's a, a, probably a very similar approach to what you would think, how you would think in, in Chinese medicine. Um, I went too fast. There it is. Are you familiar with the, the, the FODMAP diet? Um, yes, yeah, so it was, this was my proposed for my doctor chronic constipation and fuel fuels out some of my favorite veggies, such as onions, garlic, beets, cabbage. I'm confused about proceeding with the spring cleanse. Um, well, the FODMAP diet is really designed for irritable, was originally designed for irritable bowel syndrome. 
it's an extremely restricted diet. And I've been treating that condition for many, many years by resetting digestion and you know getting back connected to nature without having to go into a extremely restricted diet. I, I think that there's a lot of intelligence that goes into the FODMAP diet. I read an article about it. You can go there and read more about what I said about it. But I, I don't think it's necessary. I, you know, and definitely for chronic constipation, absolutely not. There's so many things. Bile flow, for example, is the number one cause of chronic constipation. Bile is what makes you poop. No bile, no poop. That's how it works. So, so you want to look at is your bile flow? How is your ability to digest, hard to digest fatty foods? If you can't do that well or you get nauseous from eating those foods, then that means you're not probably producing enough bile and that can cause some constipation. So a lot more to think about from my perspective than going on a, uh, a really uh, super restrictive diet, if that makes sense. But um, it's a great, great question. Um, thank you for that. Any other questions, please feel free. Um, uh, I've been on the winter diet since February 5th. I want to know how to continue to stimulate my digestion. I've been using ginger and bone broth before each meal. How can I continue that? I'm a classic winter bite type. This is a great question. I love this question because what this basically says is that I'm a winter body type. I know in the winter, the digestion is stronger. We have microbes to support. Remember the story about the deer? Everybody know that story, right? The deer in the winter could eat bark. They had the microbes for bark. Then when they go in the summer, they have microbes for digesting leaves. If they ate bark in the summer, they wouldn't have the microbes for bark, and they would have such a level of indigestion, they could kill them. Literally, a deer could die when they eat out of season. So similarly, the, the, the winter is a time where we should be eating more uh, heavier foods because we have digestive strength to do it. The digestive strength, the microbes support better, harder digestion in the winter. That's an Ayurvedic thing. We've got studies to prove that the digestion changes dramatically by the microbes that are coming from the ground in the season for the plants, you know, and they change every season. How incredibly cool is that, right? And then when the, when the seasons change, the digestive fire starts to lighten up a little bit. And by end of winter, summer, it's the lowest of the low. We're not in the lowest of the low yet. And the foods that we have for, for spring, hang in there with me, are pungent, bitter, and astringent. So bitter and astringent are not going to be, they're cold taste, cool taste. But, they, but, but the pungent food will fire up your digestion. That's where ginger comes in. So this is a great, it's, ginger is harvested this time of the year. It is the, you know, these are your, your spring, uh, you know, keep your digestion up foods. And I've written a bunch of articles about how to use ginger for, for increasing your digestive fire. Turmeric is warming too, again, a spring food. So most of these bitter roots are both, you know, they're both uh, pungent and astringent. They have that astringent quality and they have the bitter quality and they have a pungent quality as well. So the pungent ones are a great way to go. So that's how I would do that as we move out of winter when the digestion is strong. How do I keep digestion stronger? With ginger. That would be my number one thing to look at. Warm digest, which is an herb we have that has a bunch of ginger in it, would be the herb of choice for this time of the year. Warm digest classically is a seasonal, uh, really great herb for keeping the digestion strong in the winter. When balancing vata, what extra things can I do for brain fog and dizziness? Thank you. Um, well, um, again, you have your body type, vata, pitta, kapha, sort of winter, summer, spring. You have your imbalances, which are completely different than your constitutional type. And you have your seasons, not to confuse you. So if you have a vata imbalance, which means you know brain fog and things like that, you want to make sure that you don't do too many uh, spring kind of things, bitter, pungent, and astringent foods. 
are actually going to be exactly opposite to the winter vata balancing foods, sweet, uh, uh, salty, and sour. So for the brain fog and the dizziness, if it's truly a vata imbalance, it's sweet, sour, and salt. For the season we're in, it's bitter, pungent, and astringent. So what you do is you take the winter list and the spring list, and you put them together, and anything on both of those lists, they become the superfoods for you to help support that. I'd also be thinking about, you know, in this last hail of March, you can get away with lots more ashwagandha. My favorite herb for that is an herb called brahmi or bacopa. Both of those are really great for brain fog. Both of those easy to digest in either the spring or the winter. That works really well. Um, what do you suggest for feeding teenagers in the spring? Um, food. Um, <laughs> that would be... Uh, um, um, this is a good question, right? Because we're here we are, teenagers aren't going to buy into the fact that we have to eat less, right? And I don't think that they necessarily should. But you can look at the spring grocery list and you'll see that there are certain grains that are better. You can give them quinoa and different, you know, gluten-free grains that work better. Rice and beans are fantastic for them. Beans, 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 you know, you know, chilies and things like that that are hearty are great, great, great for them in the winter. Lighter meats like you know, chickens and things like that, if they eat meat, would be another way to go. Uh, that low-fat dairy products are ways to go. If you look at the spring grocery list, there are, you know, we, the, the nice thing about the list is we, we, you know, they are not austere, starve yourself type plans. They are graceful plans that help us as we get into it, begin to crave more exclusively seasonal foods. Um, but it gives us lots of rope to enjoy foods from around the world, which is great. I'm not interested in losing weight as I'm a tad underweight. I still interested in a cleanse for the health benefits, but do not want to lose weight. I'm also prone to migraines, which can be triggered by low blood sugar missed meals. You think I'm a better candidate for the short form? You might be better for the short home cleanse, at least to start and see how you do. I mean, we have three meal plans in the in the, both the short home cleanse and the Colorado cleanse. And one of those meal plans, the nourishing plan, is rice, beans, soup, salads, and um, soups, salads, fruit, vegetables, and even lean meat. The only golden rule for the seven days that you're in there is no fat. And then for the three days before and the, th the four days before and the three days after the, the main seven day cleanse and the total cleanse, it's a, it's, a very, it's a lower fat meal, but you're still having more protein and things like that. So, you, so um, you're just on a lower fat diet. So generally speaking, if you do that, you can do really well. We usually tell folks to dial down the herbs a little bit so you, don't, you can dial down the cleansing part and just take one herb of each per day that we give you to help support liver flushing and liver cleansing and, you know, and help the body reset fat burning along the way. And that works usually very, very well for folks. You can always email me directly at John at Life Spa and, you know, and ask me your specific questions. Migraine headaches are a detox issue. It's a vasodilation headache. The body's getting rid of waste out of the vessels in your head because some other detox system isn't working well. So that means that your body is forcing the detox this way. And if the detox isn't working, since we know digestion and detox are the same basic functional pathways, then if we can fix your digestive strength so you can digest better, gain weight better, you're probably gonna solve the migraine problems too. So that is how I think about that. So I look at it and I go, oh, well, there's the reason right there that you're probably not gaining the weight because of the migraines, even though no one puts them together. Ayurveda says that they're exactly together. Migraine is a detox headache, it's a vasodilation headache. So, so that might be something we can touch base with either via email or maybe we do a consult, whatever works for you. Um, 
How about fermented foods? I mentioned already earlier, fermented foods are, are great, um, but they are really good in the winter, uh, a little bit better, okay in the spring, and you know, sort of in the summertime. We don't need to preserve our foods in the summer, which is why they were there, because right, we have foods coming off the vine as much as we want. Um, so, but always fermented foods are fine, but always in small amounts, that's the key, okay? Um, so I'm going to go to the phones right now. I have someone from uh, St. George, Utah. Are you there? That's me, I think. Yes, yes, I hear you. Hello, yes. I am a glasses body type. Um, I have been really ill for the past nine months, but I got on your diet a month ago, and it's literally brought me back to the dead. No kidding. And uh, what I need to know is how can I put weight on this spring? Because over the last um, nine months, I've lost about 17 pounds. I'm now weighing 98 pounds, and I'm trying to put the weight back on. Okay, well, so yes, um, I'm going to thank you for that. Here's a couple of things. Thank you for, for doing that, and welcome back to the living with us. And let's see if we thank can you. take you all the way here. So a couple of things. March is not for you. March spring doesn't start till April, right? Okay, so you're not. So that's one of the ways that you you make adjustments. You say, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to start the. If I don't want to go into a spring cleansing mode, I want. I'm going to start that diet later. If I need to cleanse, like I need to lose a bunch of weight, I might start that. You know, the spring diet or the cleanse earlier. Does that make sense? Okay, so you're going to start spring eating in, in April, not March. March, you're going to stay on herbs like ashwagandha and warm digest and all the rebuilding herbs, maybe even chayavamprash, to really build up your reserve and keep you stronger and build up the digestive strength while we can. Okay, that makes sense? So that would be one way to do it. And then, and then, um, and, and I would just keep, keep your digestive system strong. And then when you go to the spring diet, you know, there are, there, there are low fat versions. You can still eat, you know, chicken and fish and things like that. There are still, there's fats on there. There's beans on there. Lots of foods on there. Don't think of it as a, it doesn't have to be as austere as it would be if you were, you know, a hunter gatherer trying to forage roots out of the ground. You know, that would be tough times, but you know, we don't have to go that hard and you're not ready to go that hard, but eventually that would be like, fine. That was my point earlier is like, you know, if you really got this thing balanced, you're like, I don't really need food that much. I can even maybe even fast once a week and be okay. You know what I mean? But you can't do that. You're not ready for that yet. I have nothing with the trouble though, and I don't have a gallbladder. Well, it doesn't matter gallbladder. I mean, these days, um, I mean, of course we love to keep all of our parts, but really truly don't fret if you don't have a gallbladder. The gallbladder, you know, was designed with 15 times concentrated bile for eating really ridiculous amounts of fat like the brains of a woolly mammoth in one sitting, right? That's not generally what we do anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so the amount of fats that we eat are way more, way less because we eat, see, they would eat the woolly mammoth brains and the intestines of the woolly mammoth like I would imagine they didn't kill it every day, right? They would eat that and feast on it, and then they would have famine for a while until they found another one or killed another one. So there was like lots of times we have a lot of, and we had to eat all that fat at one sitting. 
and then nothing for a long period of time. Now we sort of ad we're adapting to eating a little bit of fat every day, so we don't need that big, huge amount of bile from the gallbladder. So don't worry about the fact that you have a gallbladder. You can make the bile on demand from your liver, no problem. Okay. That makes sense. But but we still want to keep encouraging bile flow and resetting bile flow, and that's where the bitter roots come in, the dandelion, the turmeric, and the beets uh, of winter were there to help get the bile to flow. Uh, the, uh, the greens and the apples and the artichokes, these are all the bile movers that are very important. So we definitely want to make sure we get that bile moving, but it doesn't have to be, you know, huge amounts of it. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, question from uh, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Are you there? I'm here. Yes, I hear you. Okay, great. Um, I was just wondering, I've been trying to do the fasting between meals, so it's only eating three meals a day for quite a while now. But I work out in the morning, and I can't quite get through the workout in the morning before breakfast without feeling lightheaded and low blood sugar. So can I eat something in the morning? Yes. If you know, if you can go for a workout and, and not eat, and then work out, then you're then you're you're doing great, and that might be a goal for you. But right now, if you do it, we don't want your blood sugar to crash because that's just a fat storing, sugar burning emergency. We don't want to go there. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that your ability to to uh, burn fat is getting better and better and better. Maybe think about you know the the caudal cleanse or something to get that fat burning reset. Use spring as a chance to do that, but have a you know a, a grapefruit or something before you go to get yourself to do it. Don't fret about doing a little bit of food before a workout. It's fine. Definitely better than crashing and burning for sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, if, and, yeah. and you just have to. And if and if it's fruit like grapefruit or something, generally speaking, you can you can uh, you know get moving pretty quickly shortly thereafter. If you eat a big huge pancake meal, of course something like that, you probably don't feel like exercising and you shouldn't, but something light. So you want to see how much you can get away with the spring, how light of a meal you can get, then go work out and still make it count. Also, you can put some herbal, you can put a little bit of coconut oil in some herbal tea. And that's another way to do it. Coconut is a very light oil and you can put that in some herbal tea and that gives you some real great blood sugar stability as well, even along with your meal. And that might help you get a little bit more stability as well. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. In uh, Dedham, Massachusetts, are you there? Hey, John. Hi. Hi. I wanted to ask you um, about Avianga in the spring for the skin. For um, I have a client who has um, like a lymphoma and she has these rashes. Like it's, she said it was a T cell cutaneous lymphoma. And I get a coconut avianga. Now, coconut in the heavy question, but spring or any kind of rash type things in the spring skin. Yeah. So, um, coconut oil, depending like in, in Massachusetts, like right now, it's a little chilly there. So, coconut right. is a very cold refrigerant oil. So, maybe not the best one. Olive oil is a little bit more warming. Mustard seed oil is really warming. Um, uh, even uh, our lymphatic oil is really much more warming than that. Coconut would be maybe the only one that I wouldn't use um, because, have, because it's just too... Yeah, it, yeah. it might be just, and it might be good, it might be just a little bit too cool. Now for the rashes, 
I find, actually I find the best one for the rash is, is our body butter, which is the mango butter, shea butter, avocado butter, cooked with herbs like mangista and shatavri that really heals and supports the function of the skin. Um, and that's sort of a more of a medicinal product for the rashes, but, but uh, so that might be something to go more for the medicinal side of it. Um, also make sure that, you know, she's gotten, you know, good fats in her diet too, and good minerals like calcium, because a lot of times those fats, if they're not being delivered, can make the skin, you know, become irritated at the end of the winter. So look for that as okay. well. All right, she wanted to do a detox. Is it okay for her to do a detox? I mean, I mean, it should be fine. I would definitely work with her doctor and make sure that her doctor says it's okay for her to do a cleanse and help her, help her body you know, you know, help the body, you know, reset digestive function. And I think that's the key is to know that this cleanse is not sort of a, uh, it's not just a detox to get flush. And it's a pretty well thought out detox. It's got a lot of science behind it that actually forces the body to be a better digester and therefore a better fat burner. And when you have lymphatic congestive issues like that, you know, somewhere along the way, digestion probably did go, you know, didn't do so well. And that would be a good thing for her to do is to support that. You have to guide her in terms of how much, how to dial up or dial down the intensity so it's just right for her. That's the key. Yeah, I, I, I had her to, to go to your website and um, she wants to do the detox, but I also um, brought her um, like kale and dandelion and collard greens, like greens, you know, I brought her a bunch of greens and ginger, yeah. tea, nettle tea, smooth move. Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted to kind of give her the avianza, but also have us have a consult with you. I know it's more than this, but yeah, it's that, for her that we that, kind of hook up with you. That'd be great. I'd love that. And we can we can you can dial it in and then talk to her doctor too and see if you can get him on board yeah. as well. Oh yeah, I'll talk to him. Okay, thanks. All right, cool. Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. The uh, last one here is in Hackensack, New Jersey. Are you there? Dr. John? Yes, hi. Hi, it's Michelle. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I just have a couple questions quickly. Yes. Um, I've been having a really difficult time with the dryness being a vodka yeah. from the winter. Yeah. Even though I've upped my fat and my water. And I wanted to ask you what could I do going into spring? Because I'm definitely going to do the cleanse, but I don't. Of course, I don't want to lose weight, so should I dial down the herbs, but can I still keep the fat up? Yeah, well, you can dial down the intensity of the herbs, take it once a day. You can also, you know, right now, you know, really take advantage of, of, the, 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 of March um, and really amp up. You know, this is like the last time for us, if we haven't gotten our protein and our fats met, you know, start thinking about more essential fatty acids, more omega-3s, more protein, you know, really get that in there. I know I'm personally doing that, getting a little more protein in my diet these days, getting a little more fats in my diet these days, because once spring hits and the cleanse starts, you know, I'm going to, you know, sort of, you know, go into more of a, of a spring kind of time and, and you want to carry that with you. So this is a great time for you to do that. And then you can do a very, uh, just a low fat, not a no fat diet through most of the cleanse and dial down right. so and, and like chia seeds, hemp seeds, um, right. Like that. Yep. All the seeds are going to be fine in, in phase one and phase three, for sure. You can do that. And then you can do more ghee during the main cleanse. Cause that's also a great fat for you. So you can do more of that 
during that time. And that usually will get you through it pretty well. Of course, make sure you're doing the nourishing diet plan. And those are some great strategies. Yeah, and we're back to March and so far as the omega-3s. Yep, yep. Omega-3s right through March for sure. I mean, you know, the, the absolutely. I mean, omega-3s, the research is so compelling. You know, it's hard to think not to do that any time of the year. But, uh, you know, but for sure in the winter, they're really important. You know, all the cold water fish come from Alaska in the winter to get out of the cold weather. And fishermen are fishing as we've done for, you know, long, long time, thousands and thousands of years to get those fresh those cold water fish and those cold water fats to help us insulate. Very seasonal, very tied to nature, very logical thing that, that uh, has happened over the years. Okay, sound good? Okay, great, good. thanks so much. You got it. Okay, Michelle, take care. Well, everybody, this wraps it up for us and please make sure that you're signed up for the free Three Season Diet Challenge. There's such cool little packets that come every, every month. They're just so great. Um, so uh, that I think would be great. And definitely today starts the first day of the uh, Colorado Cleanse Early Bird Challenge, uh, uh, early, early bird sign up sale. And it's really a screaming deal to do that early on. I think it only lasts till the end of the weekend uh, or till Saturday, I think. It's just till Saturday night, actually. So, so definitely, if you're thinking about the Colorado Cleanse, definitely you know, make, you know, take a look at that as soon as possible. And uh, of course, uh, if you have any questions along the way, I'm always available to help you out at John at lifespa.com. Thanks for joining me and joining us. And, and I hope you're as excited about spring and, and all this research about microbes as I am. Uh, you know, it's this free season diet challenge is completely free. Just tell your friends, let's get a lot of people to do this and start to taste what it's like to get ourselves back to the roots where we came from and, and get our, the pendulum to shift back to being connected to nature so we can really live a healthy life. Thank you all for listening and I will see you next month. This recording is brought to you by LifeSpa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at LifeSpa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.